37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, hello out there to all you beautiful people across pixelated paranormal land. We want to welcome you back to episode 241. It's Tuesday, 1246 p.m. on this dreary and rainy Kansas afternoon. Now, I am only one half of your hosting power, Sean, and with me as always is the other half of your hosting, Phenoms Preston. What's up all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodile? Coons and crocodingos. It's just a different kind of energy when we record during the day. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still drinking, but yeah, <laughs> it is. We haven't been beat down by the day. Yeah, that's true. Well, we are without our weatherman, Stephen. He is actually not joining us on this episode, but I would like to wish a very happy anniversary to he and Katie. Today, I believe, is their one-year anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary, guys. Yeah, fantastic news. In other news, I want to also give a shout-out to my wife, who just got accepted into nursing school. So she will be uh, beginning to study for nursing in August. And in other fantastic news, I can finally wear contact lenses again after not being able to for a week because I got a cactus needle stuck in my eyeball. Hmm. Yep, yep. Um, you might ask yourself, how the hell do you get a cactus needle in your eye? Well, it wasn't because I was looking too close at it. I instead was carrying in a cactus during a windstorm, and the wind blew a bunch of dirt up in my eyes and apparently blew a needle off the cactus into my eye hole, and I had to have it removed from my eye doctor. So if you can imagine having a four millimeter piece of a cactus in your eyeball, only to be removed by gigantic metal forceps. Mm. Yeah, it was num a, numbed a, though, right? Or is numb well, it was it? numb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hats off to my eye doctor. But yes, it was numb. However, it still kind of hurt like the Dickens, even after being numbed. So I can only imagine what it would have felt like had I not had the numbing drops. Oof. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, let's not waste any more time. we got a fun episode for everybody. Let's kick things off with a bonus news story, Preston, I didn't include in the notes. Julie and Jimmy Johnson from Southeast Tennessee are no strangers to dogs. In fact, they have three of their own that regularly sleep in bed with them. Well, a couple nights ago, their life changed. Julie says, you could see the light coming in from our curtains from our bedroom, and I felt my husband not just roll over, but kind of roll over and jump out of bed, startled, like something woke him up. So in a quiet voice, I look over and say, what's going on? My husband replies, Julie, whose dog is this? Julie admittedly confused, thinking it was, of course, either Hollis, Jupiter, or Zeppelin, one of their normal three dogs, rolled over and locked eyes with a fourth unknown dog snuggled beside her in their bed. 
My husband just kind of pulled the blankets up a little bit, almost like they were going to protect him. And at that point, the dog got even further up on our pillows, snuggled in, and was 100% content laying between us. It didn't take much time after that to realize a strange dog was not a threat, but instead just a surprise cuddle buddy. Maybe a bit of a bed hog at that. After taking a look at the dog, Julie realized it was well-groomed and must have had owners taking care of it, so she took a few selfies of the bizarre companion and posted them on Facebook. She said, This is the weirdest post I've ever made, asking friends if anybody recognized the dog. Shortly after this, it didn't take long to get a message in her inbox saying that this was the owner of the dog whose name was Nala. Apparently, she slipped out of her collar during a walk in a thunderstorm and ran into the woods the day before. The overly friendly pup Nala has hit an all-time record for ignoring personal space by sneaking into Julie's house and jumping into bed with them. Her owner says shame on Nala for somehow breaking into a stranger's house and invading their personal space. Thankfully, the couple thought it was hilarious and they aren't even mad. In the end, there were no hard feelings about the owners finding the dog in their bed and in fact now have regular scheduled playdates with all four dogs. The only part of the mystery that remains unsolved is just how exactly Nala got into the house without the other dogs barking. So far, the only theory they can think of is perhaps one of them left the door slightly ajar. Nala, being terrified of the thunderstorm that night, just snuck into the house by seeing the porch light was on and made her way into the bed, softly laying next to the sleeping couple and their three other dogs. Now, collectively, let's all just say, Aww. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm used to having, like, you know, all my neighbor's dogs on my property because, you know, we live uh-huh. out in the middle of nowhere. So a lot of times, like, the dogs will, like, roam the, the area and they'll stop by because they know I'm going to give them, like, a little milk bone and some scratches and stuff. So <laughs> I always have visitors. I've just never had visitors inside the house. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool, man. I don't know what I'd think. I've been attacked by a couple of different dogs over the course of my life. I'm currently uh, healing from a dog bite as we speak. Uh, I won't get into that story, but uh, anyway... Well, let's kick things off in this episode with our next news story. Right now, it seems as though UFOs, also known as UAPs, have once again beamed themselves into national news headlines. And from an interesting public hearing last week, on Tuesday, May 17th, key lawmakers have a warning at a House hearing on Tuesday that identifies unidentified aerial phenomenon, popularly known as UFOs, to potentially be a serious threat worth looking into, potentially even threatening national security. The event marked the first congressional public hearing on UFOs in several decades, a high-profile moment for controversial topic UFOs that has long been regulated to the fringes of public policy. Now, as a rule, U.S. politicians in the public tend to keep their mouths shut about UFOs in order to not look like a bunch of jackasses. But what makes this congressional hearing even more interesting is that it actually marks the first time we had a public UFO hearing in over 50 friggin' years. 
During the hearing, the House Intelligence Committee panel heard directly from Scott Bray, the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, and also Ronald Maltry, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. Now, during the meeting, House members emphasized that such things as UAPs are indeed real, but they are not not exactly evidence of space invaders, and stressed further that they have nothing to suggest that anything non-terrestrial in origin is at play here, though they did caution against conspiracy theories. However, one line of questioning from one subcommittee member stood out as especially notable. The Republican representative of Wisconsin, Mike Gallagher, went on to press the Pentagon officials on claims that glowing red orbs once shut down nuclear weapons in Montana and that a recently leaked document revealed otherworldly vehicles and possibly even extraterrestrial bodies are being kept from government leaders and from the public. Gallagher, of course, is referencing the 1967 incident that allegedly occurred at Malmstrom Air Force Base in which 10 of our nuclear ICBMs rendered inoperable during the same time that a glowing red orb was observed flying overhead and was reportedly seen by several different military personnel. Soon after the event, an unexplainable red orb was also joined by a white light anomaly, and soon after, both of the weird orbs began to fly around in a zigzag pattern over the base. Gallagher also inquired about an unverified 2002 document known as the Wilson Davis Memo, as the column describes a document of dubious prominence that purports to reveal information about government UFO programs. The document, which emerged publicly in 2019, purports to reveal a secret meeting with the then-director of Defense Intelligence Agency outlining a labyrinth of secret government programs hidden from top officials and congressional oversight committees about crashed UFO materials and efforts to re-engineer the technology. The claims have been hotly debated among ufologists. However, of course, the U.S. government has reportedly denied all. Numerous national security experts and researchers have also dismissed it as a simple hoax. Democratic Representative Andre Carson of Indiana, who was the chairman of the panel holding the hearing, warned in his opening remarks, Unidentified aerial phenomenon are a potential national threat, and they need to be treated that way. He went on to say, for too long, the stigma associated with UAPs has gotten in the way of good intelligent analysis. Pilots avoided reporting or were laughed at when they did reports, and the DOD officials regulated the issue to the back room or swept it under the rug entirely, fearful of national skepticism from security communities. In addition to that, Republican Representative Rick Crawford of Arkansas said in his opening remarks, Aside from all the hype and speculation, there are important underlying issues posed by UAPs. The intelligence community has a serious duty to our taxpayers to prevent potential adversaries such as China or Russia from surprising us with unforeseen new technologies. This committee has the obligation to understand what you are doing to determine whether UAPs are new technologies or not, and if they are. Where are they coming from? 
So in other words, holy shit, things have gotten so serious, the government is actually giving up hints about UFOs, and no one seems to fucking notice, Preston. I kind of wondered about, you know, this when, uh, you know, Obama was president. He, you know, he said, you know, disclosure was coming, and then, you know, Bush said, uh, you know, disclosure is coming, and Clinton was like, yeah, I know all about the UFOs. And it seems yeah. like, you know, ev- even Hillary Clinton was hinting at it, too. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, the last, I don't know, five presidents, six presidents or whatever, um, <laughs> it's been around that, like, we're we're going to have to do it. But, you know, they never set a firm date. So we'll get to it. I mean, it's coming, guys. <laughs> uh, you know, we're going to we're going to let the cat out of the bag. We're going to let you know, you know, don't worry, America. We got, we got your back. And then it doesn't happen. And then now right. we're at an age where, um, you know, Starlink is up. So now we have, you know, thousands of satellites orbiting, low orbiting Earth, you know, from Elon Musk to provide Internet. Um, we're, you know, Google Moon, because of those those satellites, we're able to get clear images, um, Google Earth, Google Moon, and see things that we haven't seen before. And then right, now right. with the space program, being able to go back to Mars. Um, and then, you know, people thought it was a joke, the U.S. Space Force, but so much of that's moving forward now that we, we don't have a choice anymore. Um, we don't have a choice not to disclose it. So now I, I think because of technology and we're, we're – I don't know that you and I will see it in our lifetime, but um, we are in the early stages of being a space-faring race, and um, because of that – the the government is just really going to just have to let it out now and uh i think we're in the early stages of that where oh shit it's serious and we we better let the cats out of the bad guys right well i think ironically maybe that's the disclosure that they were all hinting at is eventually there's going to be so many reports it's going to be hard to keep you know the lid on the can of worms so to speak and it's just going to start leaking out into the public via news because you can't really do anything without somebody else seeing it and having their camera at the ready. Because, you know, back in the 90s when you had Clinton, you had Bush and everybody else, it was a little harder to capture things on footage and we had to rely on word of mouth for all this stuff. Well, hey, you know, my Jim Bob and I were out camping and son seen a UFO come flying over. Looked like two pie pans stuck on each other. Anyway, we seen a fuzzy little green man come out. And then the burning question always is, well, did you take a picture? But now that we have camcorders and, you know, better cameras than they had in NASA when we landed on the moon, it's kind of unforgivable and almost expected that if you see something weird, you can snap a picture. So now it's kind of hard to deny all these bizarre photos popping up. I mean, as we speak, they're hitting Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. So it's getting a lot harder to keep a lid on that topic, I think. I can't remember when it was, but not too long ago, they had a news report where it came out that supposedly some of the crafts that we have recovered from such crash sites have been quote-unquote non-terrestrial. So I don't know what that means exactly, but if I was a guessing man, I'd say aliens? Yeah, we, no, we've actually talked about that article um, on the show. Like mm-hmm. when it, Well, it was, it was a series of articles. So the first one yeah. um, basically came out back in like early 2016, and it was the head of the Pentagon saying that, um, you know, 90% of UFO are 
reports are Earth-based. And we can't go into details, mm-hmm. but basically some of it's the Chinese, some of it's the Russia, and then some of it's actual you know aerospace companies here in America that have secret projects that the government doesn't even know about. Um, yeah. But then, you know, the 5% of that is actual, like, real UFOs. Like, they're not of this earth. Um, some of the crash sites of those UFOs, you know, we we do have pieces of it, and they're, you know, they're in a uh, storage facility, like, in New York. Um, you know, it's lead line. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, it might be kind of radioactive, but we're taking precautions. <laughs> and uh, it's actually right. uh, uh, Bigelow uh, engineer, uh, Space Engineers, um, you know, this uh, Skinwalker Ranch guy, um, he's the one that actually got the contract for some of that crash debris. And so he's his uh, warehouse buildings in New York are actually housing that. So I thought that that was kind of interesting that the Pentagon was actually giving that much information. And then like two years later, they did a follow-up and uh, they were basically saying like, um, it's almost like an extraterrestrial ATV, like, um, like you know, like <laughs> Halo Master Chief thing. Like, no, right, we, ha- right. we don't have a flying saucer. What we recovered was like a, like a, like a Land Rover or something. It's like, were you guys on the fucking moon? Like, where did you get this thing at? And so, yes, <laughs> they, they have a, an alien vehicle. It's not a flying saucer, but I'm like, well, fuck, I want to see this thing. With the amount of information hitting the headlines, it's harder and harder to rein it in. So I really think that we're not going to get an actual disclosure where they make, you know, a giant public hearing or, you know, they have a giant rally. I think this is the age of disclosure and it's just being, you know, trickled down to us piece by piece. In other news, just a few days before the UFO hearing, back on Sunday, May 15th, a lot of us were witness to yet another rare lunar eclipse, Blood Moon. Preston, did you get a chance to see it out there where you live? No, because when you had texted that to me, um, I was passed out in the bathtub. Um, I had been working outside all day, and Daddy was sore, so I cracked up in a few beers and was uh, in my Epsom salt <laughs> soak. And, uh, I looked down at my phone, and he had texted me, and I'm like, fuck it. I don't, I don't even care at this point. Like, I saw a photo. I'm good. And uh, to be honest, I don't even remember, play. like, anything in, like, the news, like, ahead of time. Because usually, like, ahead of time, they're like, uh, it's going to be a blood moon tonight. Uh, strawberry moon. The moon is going to be the closest it's been to the earth in 500 years. You better get outside, folks. And I don't remember yeah. seeing any of that. So I'm just like, what the fuck is Sean talking about? Well, Shayla actually reminded me that night at like 10.30 that it was going on because I completely forgot about it too and we were just watching, you know, some movie on Hulu. Well, while Shayla and I were outside, we may have caught something interesting on camera, but more on that in just a second because it seems as though we weren't the only ones around Wichita to snap a picture of two of what might be our own personal UAPs flying around the Wichita, Kansas area. So on the Facebook page of Cake Certified Broadcast Meteorologist Frank Waugh, he says, Anyone see a UFO out and around Cheney Reservoir this weekend? We got the following email and pictures from Rachel. This is most definitely the oddest email I've ever composed. With that being said, last night at approximately midnight, this unknown aircraft made an appearance north of Cheney Lake. However, It hovered for several minutes, completely diagonal, 
and then completely disappeared. Anyone have ideas? Maybe a drone question mark? Well, then later on, Frank added another email. Hey, Frank, a friend tagged me in your post about these lights near Genie Lake. I saw it too, but I saw it from Americus, over a hundred miles from where the other person reported. I tried to get a good picture of it, but this is all I was able to get as it faded out. It lasted maybe 20 to 30 seconds and was extremely bright at its peak. I've been asking around all day and haven't run into anyone else who's seen it. Definitely not a great picture, but it's better quality than nothing. Let me know if you have any questions, Sam. Well, and I'll post these pictures on the Instagram, but I don't know. They're, they're pretty interesting photos, man. The first one's kind of a blurred out squiggly line. But dude, that second one there, it's pretty interesting, whether it's a uh, Kim trailer or what. I don't know. I it, Because multiple people from different areas got the s- similar type of photo. Yeah. Unless you all captured it like a giant fucking Mothra, um, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not leaning toward it being, you know, a bug that every... Because you you caught the exact same fucking microscopic bug when you're you know fifty miles apart, twenty miles apart, fifteen miles apart, or whatever it is. Right, right. So whatever it was, the phenomenon was big enough that everybody was able to capture it. Um, so uh, you know, I wouldn't lean toward some type of like bug or, or something. Drone, more than likely. Um, you know, we we do have with. Uh, you know, Spirit, um, Boeing, Cessna, and all the aircraft, um, and the DOD contracts that we have, um, we, we do have, you know, drone activity in the area, and some of it is, mm-hmm. you know, still considered classified. So um, I'm leaning more toward it being you guys captured a local uh, military drone, or you caught a real-life UFO. Congratulations. <laughs> I think it's interesting to note that the first photos were reported to be taken around midnight, the pictures that Shayla and I took were happened between around 10.30 or 11. But yeah, I'll post a picture, but while Shayla and I were outside watching the lunar eclipse, we snapped a couple weird photos that we couldn't quite explain ourselves. So these are both taken from our driveway over the eastern sky, and you can barely see the top of our basketball goal in the first photo, and the second photo you can actually see the back of my car, um, the corner of our house, and also the basketball goal. But I took a few photos because I wasn't exactly sure, you know, what I'd caught. So they are actually taken uh, a few seconds apart even. But in the first photo, you can see there is a long streak almost cutting the picture, you know, in half at the top. And admittedly, it could easily be just a bug flying by. Um, I took it with an iPhone 12 Pro Max or whatever the hell this thing's called. Um, I had the live photo option turned on, so those are the photos where you can actually hold your finger down in your album, and it'll show you like the first three seconds before and, and also after the photo. I never catch like a blurry bug. It's just like black, 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 boom, huge streak across the picture. I'm willing to bet you that one is probably a bug, though. But in the second photo, it's a little better well lit, and it's actually zoomed out much farther from that first photo. It's kind of in the same place in the sky, though. It's just probably slightly lower than the first photo. But if you zoom in, it definitely looks like something is streaking at like a 45-degree angle going upwards 
um, way behind the tree, but also in front of some of that cloud coverage. So I don't know, different picture, different area, because we're nowhere near Cheney either, but we definitely are in a handful of people who caught some strange photos. Well, tonight's main story was inspired by my weird photos of what probably more or less are just bugs flying across the camera as exposed aperture. But our main story has its own bizarre photo. Definitely a much more bizarre story than me just sitting in my driveway in a lawn chair. It's known as The Encounter at Ilkley Moor. Now, Presto, before we recorded this episode once beforehand, did you ever hear of this story? Does it ring any bells? No, um, I'm pretty sure that's the answer I gave you last time. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, <remember laughs> I think it is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't, uh, I don't remember hearing it prior to to you you putting this show together. Right on. I had read about it once before in a UFO book I bought in Branson on a vacation. But anyway, our story begins on the cold and dreary English moorland known as Ilkley Moor. A place where some say you don't want to get stuck after the sun goes down. Ilkley Moor is part of the Rombalds Moor, a moorland between Ilkley and Keighley in West Yorkshire, England. The area is known for its cold winds and dense fog, but it's also been known to have some strange paranormal activity. Mysterious carved stones dating back to the Bronze Age, such as the Swastika Stone and other ex- Unexplained stone carvings, as well as several ghost sightings, have also been reported across the grasslands. It's a place where hazard-friendly trails snake across acres of wet, isolated land, and above all else, it's a place where strange lights have also been reported to dance across the skies amongst the fog. Strange swirling lights are often reported to appear through the fog and seem to have a mind of their own. Possibly, some of the mysterious sightings could be attributed to the not-so-distant Minwith Hill military base, or the nearby Leeds-Bradford airport. Or possibly, they could be extraterrestrial craft. Well, Philip Spencer had just recently retired from the London police force and had moved with his wife and child to the remote area of West Yorkshire in order to be closer to his wife's family following the retirement. Early on the morning of December 1st, 1987, Phillips had decided to hike across the moor to visit his in-laws, a hike that he had often taken before. Having heard the stories of strange lights that have been spotted near the Oakley Moor, Spencer also took with him his trusty camera and some extra film to possibly capture something. He had also taken with him a compass to help navigate through the early morning fog that often developed over the moor. Coming upon a hill, he noticed something odd moving just up on the trail ahead of him. As Spencer looked on, he realized that a mysterious figure, seemingly humanoid, was standing in front of him. He raised his camera, pointed, and clicked. And just then, the being raised his arm as if waving him away, and then turned and began to move down the trail, disappearing out of Spencer's sight. Curious, the former police officer started to make his way down the narrow winding path 
to give chase to this mystery creature. Just as he was reaching the top of the trail, he stopped dead in his tracks. In the close distance ahead, a large dome-shaped craft lifted off the moor and rose out of sight into the morning sky. He didn't take a second photograph because he was shocked at what he had just saw, but Spencer quickly made his way to the nearest village. About half an hour after the sighting, Spencer made it to the village. Along the way, he had noticed that his compass, however, seemed to be broken. It pointed south instead of north, which was the complete opposite of where Spencer was. Thinking nothing of it, though, he continued into the village, only to stop again. When he happened to glance down at his wristwatch, and he noticed an hour, he noticed it was an hour behind what he knew the time should have been. He double-checked with the clock in the middle of the town hall, and indeed, he had lost an hour's worth of time. A whirlwind of worried thoughts swirled through Spencer's head as he began to question his own sanity. What had he seen out on that lonely moorland in the morning, and what caused the missing time? When Spencer developed the photograph later, he was shocked to see he had indeed captured exactly what he claimed to have encountered out on the moorland. A short, diminutive, human-like creature with a bulbous head and long, thin arms. Spencer contacted Jenny Randalls, a British author and former director of investigations with the British UFO Research Association, also known as Bufora, and Peter Hoff, a well-known UFO researcher, and he proceeded to then tell them both about the recent experience that he had that December morning. Immediately upon examining the print, Hoff thought that it was an intriguing enough photo to be studied. He sent the photo off to the Kodak Laboratories in Himmel, Hempstead for further analysis, of which the only conclusive result of the analysis could be was whether or not the creature or object is definitely in the photograph. And it was. Meaning it was proven to not be a superimposed image. Hoff examined the compass next. He didn't find anything out of the ordinary about it, so he decided to have the compass check for radiation at a local university. The results came back negative as well, so as far as anyone was concerned, there was nothing wrong with Philip's compass either. Shortly after the sighting, Spencer began to tell Hoff about strange starry dreams he was beginning to experience. Hoff, being familiar with abduction cases and missing time, suggested to Spencer that he go under hypnosis. A session was then scheduled for March 16, 1988, with a Dr. Jim Singleton and UFO researcher Arthur Tomlinson. Now what follows is part of the transcript and commentary from Peter Hoff from the session that night with Dr. Jim Singleton and Philip Spencer. I want you to cast your mind back to the 1st of December, last year when you set off across the moor. I want you to clear your mind back to that, and I want you to re-experience that. Feel it. I want you to tell me about that experience. I'm walking along under the moor. Oh, it's quite windy. There's a lot of clouds, and I'm walking towards some trees. I see this 
this little something. I can't tell, but he's green. It's moving up towards me. Oh, I'm stuck. I can't move, and the creature is still coming towards me. I'm stuck, and everything goes fuzzy. I, I'm floating along in the air, and I want to get down. I still can't get down. I don't like it. I'm going round this corner, and this green thing is in front of me. Oh, God. I want to get down. There, There's a big silver saucer thing. There's a door on it. And I don't want to go in there. Everything is gone black now. Did you say everything gone black? Mm-hmm. I, I can't see anything. It's like I'm asleep. I can't hear anything. There's a bright light. I can't see where it's coming from. I'm in a funny sort of room, and I can, I can hear this voice, and it says, Don't be afraid. I don't feel afraid anymore. I can still see this green thing, but I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm being put on a table. I can move now if I want to, but I don't feel frightened anymore. And there's this beam, like a pole. It's above me, and it's moving towards me. It's got a light, like a fluorescent tube. It's coming up my feet, and I can hear that voice again. We don't mean to harm you. Don't be afraid. It makes me feel warm as it's moving up me. It's coming up to my stomach and towards my head. I close my eyes. I don't want to look at it in case it hurts my eyes. It's gone. There is something. My nose feels funny. That's gone as well. And I'm standing up now. And I don't know how I got stood up. I can see a door. And there's one of those green creatures. It's motioning for me to come towards it. I don't really want to go with them. I'd rather stay here. I don't feel afraid in here. Can you... Can you tell me what's happening now? I'm walking towards a door. There's still a bright light. There's a light all around. I want to know where it's coming from. It's just bright all around. Walking down a corridor, there's a window. Oh, God! Is that real? I don't want to be up here. I want to go back down there. I can hear that voice again saying, You've got nothing to fear. It's pretty, though, and I didn't realize it looked so pretty. Now, what John was looking at through the window was the Earth, viewed from high up in space, just like the Apollo astronauts had saw. I've gone past the window now, and I'm, I'm walking down a corridor. I just want you to relax, breathe, and tell me what's happening now. Come to the end of the corridor. There's a hole open inside of it, and I can walk through, and now I'm in a big room, a big room. I'm on a raised platform against the wall. My camera and compass are trying to get away from me. 
going towards the ball. It's difficult to pull them back down again, and this ball moves around with... It's strange. It's got some blocks on it. He says we can't stay here long, and he wants us to go out again. The hole's closed in the wall, and it's gone. It's strange. He says I've got nothing to fear, but I'd still like to go home. It's got such big hands. Focus on the sound of my voice. Try to remember what's happening now. Going down a corridor again. It's very bright. I still wish I knew where that light was coming from. And there's another door. We're going through the door. It's an empty room. Two of those green creatures have come with me. There's a picture, and it's starting to move on the wall. I wonder how they get the pictures. Continue to focus on the sound of my voice. Can you tell me what's happening at this point? I'm looking at the picture on the wall. John, tell me more about the pictures. What pictures on the wall? Hmm. Creatures seem concerned at the damage it's doing. Picture's changing now, and there's another picture. Another film. He's asking me a question, and he says, Do you understand? I say yes, and it's time to go. Everything's gone black. And I'm walking up the moor again. I'm walking near some trees. I can see some movement. I can see something. It's that green creature. I've shouted to it and it turns around. I don't know what it is. I'll photograph it. It's turned around now and I'm going to take a photograph. It's moving quick though. I want to know what it is. I'm running after it, and it's gone around a corner, and I I can't see it now. There. There's a a saucer, a big silver saucer, and it's disappeared. I'm walking on down past the trees. I want you to relax, and what's happening right now? I'm going home. It's 10 o'clock on the town hall clock. But I can't really understand it because it was only 8 o'clock. I want you to relax and I want you to think back because you mentioned some green creatures. Would you please try to describe them to me? That's quite small. He's got big pointed ears and big eyes. They're quite dark, though, and he hasn't got a nose. He's only got a little mouth. And he has enormous hands, and his arms are long. And he's got funny-looking feet. What do you mean, funny-looking feet? They're like a V-shape, like two big toes. It must be difficult to walk like that. And he he shuffles rather than walks. I don't feel afraid of him, though, but he looks odd. I want you to think back. You 
You mentioned big hands. Can you say anything more about the hands? Can you describe them to me? It's got three big fingers, like sausages. Big sausages. They're just very big, bigger than my hands. How tall would you say these creatures are? It's about four foot. Comes to the lump on my stomach. He's about as high, uh, just a bit bigger than my stomach. I want you to relax, focus on the sound of my voice, and I, I wonder if you can answer another question. You mentioned a film. Talk to me about the film. One was lots of scenes of destruction, like on the news. I could see lots of waste going down the river, and people like Ethiopians who were starving. It's not very good, and it's not very nice. Focus on the sound of my voice. Is there anything more you want to tell me about the film? Uh, it's much more the same thing, only different. Different than the other film? Focus and try to remember as much details as you can. What do you want to tell me about it? I'm not supposed to. I want to remind you that you're in a safe place, but I'll leave it entirely up to you if you don't want to say anything about it. I'm not supposed to tell anyone about the other film. It's not for them to know. Is there anything more that you can tell me? No. So after being regressed, Spencer changed his mind that instead of photographing the alien being as it was waving at him, he then believes he may have actually photographed the creature waving goodbye after returning him back to the moor. So after recounting the story to Randalls and Hoff, and going under hypnotic regression from Dr. Singleton. Of course, as these stories often do, the news of Philip Spencer's alien encounter hit headlines and spread like wildfire. Of course, plenty of researchers have claimed the photo and the abduction are simply a hoax. But to be argued is the point that Spencer has never sought to obtain money from the case and signed all copyright privileges to Hoff in early 1988. Spencer desires no fame from the account and no longer owns the rights to the photo. Soon after, Spencer claims he was hassled by the Ministry of Defense about the craft that he had reportedly saw, and they demanded to know everything he knew about the potential for this craft to be a threat or possibly enemy spacecraft. But sadly, Spencer didn't know much more than he'd already reported. So, as these stories often do, shortly after the visit from the Ministry of Defense, Spencer reported he was soon visited by two strange men wearing black suits, black hats, and driving a four-door black car. The two men told Spencer it would be in his best interest to stop speaking publicly about the experience, and thus, this is where the story of the abduction at Ilkley Moor runs cold. Now we'll include the photo and a couple enhancements on the Instagram and Facebook if you guys want to jump on there and take a look. 
but it does kind of look like a little lumpy, big-headed guy with his arm raised up, and maybe the other arm resting on a rock. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it could be a little alien boy. Or it could be Hellboy. I mean, that one <laughs> yeah, arm gotta... is, like, way bigger than the other. I was kind of <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, because the other day, like, I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, when we talk about, like, being able to fake a photo, like, why would one hand be bigger than the other? Like, that's an odd detail to throw in there. And then, mm-hmm. uh, like, the more I think about it, I'm like, fuck, dude, that's Hellboy. That's what this guy caught. This guy caught real-life Hellboy. <laughs> I mean, he could have. I think um, it could be one big hand, but also at the angle where that thing's elbow kind of looks like on the one long arm with the Hellboy fist – the elbow could just be bent on the other arm, and he could just have his arm resting on top of that rock as well. Yeah. Now, the only thing is, he claims in the photo that he thought it was waving at him. So I don't know if he means he saw the alien waving at him, and then he took the photo, because this thing has nothing that looks like an arm or an appendage, you know, raised up like it's waving at him, but... I don't know. It's strange. The original photo, this little thing's kind of centered up farther away, so they have enhanced it and zoomed in, but I don't know, man. It's it's fairly convincing. Yeah. I mean, it's better than some of the stuff that we got from the early 90s where clearly they were faked alien or puppets or some shit. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever get a chance to watch the McPherson tape? I know we talked about it on an episode. Did you ever get a chance to watch that, though? Um, it, it vaguely sounds re- uh, familiar. So isn't that where, like, the, the guy hired an actor and his kids and or hired a bun- bunch of actors and they faked, like, a whole alien abduction? Yeah. They uh, had, like, a birthday party out in a cabin. And then, I mean, it's it's a pretty solid short film, but it gets pretty intense when the actual aliens do show up. But, yeah, yeah, it was thought to be... Kind of like a weird, not quite snuff film, but, you know, an illegal film that somehow got leaked and people were watching it and saying, oh, fuck, it's an actual alien abduction. And then you find out it was just some guy's film project. But, yeah, solid film, though. I mean, if you didn't know what you were looking at, it's grainy enough, you would think it might be a legitimate video. Well, on this episode, folks, that's all the time we have We'd like to thank you for joining us, and please, if you haven't already, follow us on the old Instagram, at PXL Paranormal. Check out the Facebook page, The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, what do you got on YouTube, buddy boy? We're up to 186 followers on YouTube, Um, so we're gaining some traction. Not a lot, but we're gaining some, so again, if you're listening, you enjoy the content, Help build this up over on YouTube. Go over there, like, subscribe, share. Share with all your friends. Share with your wife, your mom, your dad, sister, cousin. We don't give a shit who you share it with. Just share it with somebody. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. I do agree. Yeah, it's a great place for you to listen. If you don't normally, you know, sub to any kind of uh, podcast app, you can definitely hear the audio on the uh, YouTube. So, Yeah. All right, and if you're on the iTunes, Apple Podcast, please leave us a rating and a review, and if you do, we'd be happy to share it on the show. Also, you can review us over on, I believe, Amazon on the uh, iTunes, I'm sorry, on the podcast app over there as well. So, And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, 
If you want to grow a beard, hell, if you have one arm that's way bigger than the others and you look like Hellboy and you don't want people to eyeball that, then take their minds off of it and have the best goddamn beard that you can have and put some Big Dobbs <laughs> beard bomb in that bad boy. You have scents like Bay Rum, Dundee Cedar, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, Classic, and Sweet Tobacco. Use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Again, that's PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Heck yeah, that's a great way to support Big Dobbs and also a great way to support the show. And in addition to that, this weekend he was here in Wichita, and Dobbs has dropped another new product. I don't believe it's hit the website yet because he just finished doing some uh, research and development on it. But he's got a new product called Big Dobbs Tattoo Balm, which is an aftercare balm. Um, I got to see it in action. I'm not just chatting you up. You put it on your old tattoo, and it brightens that bad boy up like you just got fresh ink. So... He sold several cans of that this weekend at the Maker's Market here in Wichita, and it should be hitting the website very soon, so we'll have another official announcement when that goes live. All right, if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and say hi to the lovely Leslie and the rest of the gang down at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. On behalf of Big Steven, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.